welcome to Chit Chat Money. On this show, hosts Ryan Henderson and Brett Schaefer interview industry experts and riff on the world of investing. As a quick reminder, Chit Chat Money is a CCM Media Group podcast. Ryan and Brett are also general partners at Arch Capital, and Arch Capital may have positions in the securities discussed in this podcast. Anything discussed on Chit Chat Money by Ryan or Brett or any other podcast guests is not formal advice or recommendation. Now, please enjoy this episode. This is the Investing Power Hour number 72. Uh, as we're recording this, for some reason, my light is way too bright right now. You're blowing, uh, Brett. You're blowing. I, I need to adjust this setting. I don't know what it is with Zoom. Yeah, we'll just turn it down. Uh, but this is the Investing Power Hour. As I just said, number 72. My name is Brett Schaefer. I'm joined, as always, by Ryan Henderson. We're talking whatever we want in the financial markets this week. I think that's really the only goal of the show. We're going to go for an hour. We have the AAMC conference call, not the AMC conference call. This is a strange micro cap that had a wild conference call that Ryan has some notes on. We have blocks uh, earnings report. We got a bunch of other stuff. I think I might take a look at Adian's report. I haven't looked at it yet, so maybe we can do a live look at it. Uh, it's a company we follow. It's down about 30% today. And then I think a fun segment is going to be our four biggest ma- management pet peeves, a little Mount Rushmore ranking competition yeah. management pet peeves. And we can see maybe I'm, on Twitter or we'll do a Spotify poll of who who won, who has the best ones. I'm kind of stealing this. It's from uh, Pardon My Take. Which is a popular well, sports I mean, podcast, but I don't think I don't think they have a patent on it. <laughs> it's no, a no, no, popular concept. They just kind of did it for a lot of different. Uh, I guess that's where I saw yeah. the idea. They um, do it when it's boring. So you know, earnings season's kind of closing up. Uh, it's a boring time. This could be a fun time to do it. So hopefully, this is a series of Mount Rushmores. We're starting with biggest management pet peeves. I don't know. Do you have any other Mount Rushmores you think we should run? I, I was thinking um, analysts worst analyst quotes analyst stuff could be good analyst worst. stuff could 100 be good you can do like best ceos best proxy statements that kind of thing but today's episode is presented by the science of hitting investment research service the science of hitting was founded by alex morris who spent a decade working as a buy side equities analyst before launching his own service in early 2021 you've hear, heard him here on the show a number of times but alex produces really really high quality equity research and in addition he provides 100% transparency into all his portfolio decision making we were early subscribers to the science of hitting research service and we genuinely believe that alex produces research that is on par with top Wall Street analysts at a fraction of the cost. I mean, the fact that you also get complete portfolio transparency and 100% accountability is just icing on the cake. Effectively, you're outsourcing a full-time equities analyst role for just $349 per year. Brett and I both pay for the service on our own, and we can tell you that it's honestly worth the money. Some of the companies that Alex covers includes Microsoft, Netflix, and Meta, Roku, Costco, Match Group, Berkshire, tons of others. So if you're interested, check out the TSOH Investment Research Service today at thescienceofhitting.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. 
Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah. All right. Well, what do you want to talk about first? I'm going to tweet out the link for everyone. Well, let's uh, let's talk about this one. Sam Bankman Freed is going to jail now for people that have that kind of haven't followed the story. He, uh, you know, was arrested and then posted bail, which was, I think, like $250 million, um, sizable bail. And then he basically was on house arrest at his parents' house in Palo Alto. And they tried to, you know, limit a lot of his behavior to make sure, like, you know, he wasn't tampering with witnesses or, you know, doing anything illegal. And they put a bunch of provisions in that basically said, you know, you got to check whoever comes into your house has to check in essentially to make sure that, you know, you're not to make sure they're not dealing with like, you know, witnesses or having them come in or, you know, because they can't monitor anything that's actually in the house, I don't think, but they can say, you know, who comes in, who comes out. And then there was also, so basically the bail has been revoked he was sent to jail because of a number of things. But the first thing he did was he set up a VPN um, so that he couldn't be tracked, I guess, online that kind of worried the judge. And then the lawyers said it was so that he could like watch the national football league, which uh, listen, I don't know SBF, but I'm guessing he's not the biggest NFL fan. I could be wrong. Also not, yeah it's not on so yeah maybe he's just a big fan of the nfl network off season but uh anyway so <laughs> yes i guess that was his claim that's why he wanted the vpn i don't know why he wouldn't want to be tracked for that um then he was apparently also sending messages to on apps that like uh whatever aren't trackable so whatsapp and then there's like one other one that's like uh Kind of popular. I can't remember what it's called. Telegram or signal. Yeah. Signal, I think is what it was. To the old CEO of Alameda Researcher, the the fund that they were running, which is basically his ex-girlfriend. Um, and it was just like I remember reading their quote around what he was telling her, and it was basically like that thing from succession when Kendall's like on the phone, he's like, it'd be good to just connect, you know. And yeah. then, but it's like, we she, should, he's trying basically to it's trying to say like, we should, you know, strategize together to like, make sure we're saying the same lies. Um, yeah. But so that, that was another red flag. And then the other one was witness intimidation. He leaked her diaries, her diary entries. I don't know how he had these to the New York times. Cause the New York times reporter came in to the house um, and he, I guess, gave him the diaries, and a lot of it was about like, uh, I think maybe it scares her that he's going to leak more if if she doesn't, you know, get in line and say what he says. So all of that kind of culminated in the judge saying, "No, listen, you're going back to jail," and apparently it's going to make it difficult for them to prepare for the trial. Um, uh, it, I don't think there's much more to this story anymore. He's going to go to prison for a long time and there's, it's a pretty cold cut case, but they just have to go through the legal process. It is funny because 
at its core, you know, you, you look at like, so the parents, SPF's parents were in the courthouse or whatever, when he was sent to jail and the mom was just, you know, in shambles. It sounds like it's just a really a guy that was very good with computers, went to MIT, I think smart guy and kind of probably wasn't malicious from the jump probably didn't have ill intent necessarily, but the more money that came in, the more it kind of, I guess, made him feel invincible with it. And it's, yeah, I might be, I might be a little, I might be a little more cynical about the situation, but you know, it's hard to tell from an out as an outside perspective. I think though, I'm interested in how the Michael Lewis book reads some of the stuff there was another another group of people that he was connected to this week in the college football world that totally got exposed as frauds or potentially, I guess, it hasn't been confirmed legally yet. Um, Wait, who was? You know, the movie The Blind Side? Yeah. Uh, that movie, The Lineman, turns out that the family totally screwed over that guy in real life. So he got no money from the movie and book, and they got all of it. Hmm. So now he's suing. Yeah, I'll be curious about this. I mean, Michael Lewis, to be honest, finance books, he's pretty goaded. Yeah. So yeah. this could be... Uh, this is his bread and butter. This could be great. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, that's a good update. What about... a? Let's do... Well, I want to let's talk save the Mount I want to talk Adyen, but let's do that. That's more of kind of a homework segment a little bit. Let's do the AAMC conference call because this is a fun one. This really interesting one, I think, can show the wildness and the chaotic stuff that can happen in these small and micro cap companies when you get a cowboy management team in there. Yeah. It, so I guess if you want kind of an update on what the thesis was prior to um, – the recent saga, Jeff Moore, who's a really smart guy, went on our show. We did an interview, so I'm kind of shameless plugging ourselves here. But, um, and, and he basically pitched AAMC. He said it's, you know, they have a ton of cash. There is kind of this legal overhang that he thinks is going to, there's kind of a precedent for it to go away now. Um, and then they've got all this cash and they're starting up this lending operation and they're bringing in the CEO who seems well versed in the area and, and seems like he could grow this business. Um, and it honestly checked out and the stock was cheap as hell. Like basically if you were, if you believed that the lending operation could generate any sort of earnings, if they could have any sort of like functioning business, it was, it was, it was kind of a cash shell. So if anything worked out, this this was the stock was really cheap. Now on the call, and they had they had established this. They're going to be doing these. It, it's I can't remember the type of loans that they were going to offer, but it was they that was the operation they were going for. They had the money to do it. They brought the guy in. I think his name his name was Jason Kopchak. I want to say the CEO. Um, and on the conference call, Jason Kopchak isn't there, which. Listen, this isn't Amazon, so it's not like when Andy Jassy doesn't show up, like he's busy or whatever. This is, you know, the CEO should be on the calls for these things. And the board comes in and basically says, like the 
whoever the chairman of the board comes in and basically says like, we're not, uh, yeah, you know, our lending results weren't really what we were hoping for. And so we're kind of exploring strategic alternatives and maybe, uh, you know, we might, we might slow that business or just see if it's worth it altogether. And then, uh, but we have this new, uh, one of our shareholders presented this patent idea to us for an electric vehicle, um, some technology that goes into the electric vehicle that can make the range 8% longer. Um, and it's just this, like, it's an, it's an idea. That's it. And he's like, he's actually going to pitch it to you right now on the call. And so he like brings on this guy who pitched it to them and he gives his whole pitch on the EV technology. And then he's like, thank you for that. Any questions? And Jeff, our friend is like the only guy that asks questions on the call. And the first question he's like, uh, yeah. So where's Jason? And the guy's like, ah, you know, he's, uh, performing a strategic review right now of our operations. So he's not, he couldn't make it, which like, yeah, just, I guess that's like an, an hour. Yeah. It's an hour and you can hop on anywhere. Internet. Yeah, I'm and sure this he call has internet. This call was 15 minutes. So yeah, he, I think he could have made it. And then the second question was like, can we get any sort of an update on the lending operations? Cause you know, that was kind of like the whole thesis here. He's like, yeah, you know, we're, we're not really taking any questions on that. Um, so that's a, what we've said is all we're going to say. It's like, okay. And then, uh, I mean, he, uh, J- Jeff asked like two more questions and that was kind of it. And then the stock dropped, I want to say 60% after hours. Yeah. They, I don't know. I would be interesting to see what the insider trading was like around this time because it's red flags galore. Anytime I mean, a smaller micro cap company is talking about some sort of patent play, I mean, that that's just an immediate indicator that you got to run for the hills. Yeah, I maybe should have mentioned this. The stock went from $20 to basically a hundred dollars a share in the span of four months this year. And it's a small, it's really small. So there could easily have been some manipulation there. And since then it's come down from a hundred dollars a share to $10. So probably one of the most wild rides I've seen like within a year and probably the most insane conference call I've been on because it like, it, they just didn't even talk about the operations. They just completely p- pivoted the business on a whim. Yeah. It's like they were trying to dig their own grave here. I don't know what the, the thought process coming in was, okay, we're not going to talk about the lending business. We're going to talk about this weird new EV thing. We're not going to have the CEO on who did they file any form saying that he's gone or did you check I that? I don't Let think me. so. I mean, I haven't that. seen, I was messaging I'll go to with the, Jeff. And... I'll go to the investor relations, see what their, their, their but, filings were. I mean, it's just like, I've never seen anything like this. Do you think the stock was just going up because it's close to AMC? That could have been interesting. No, I, I got a feeling there was some insider trading going on here. Okay. It, yeah, it would, like you said, it was like they tried to schedule, or it was like they tried to dig their own grave. Because like, if you wanted to have the worst conference call possible, it would look a lot like this. Like, abandon your lending operation that seems okay. Like, it seems good, like it could work. Go for some EV play. Don't take any questions on the core business and have your CEO go AWOL. 
like that's like a perfect formula to have your stock drop 70%. And it was like they had, it's like they were pretending that uh, analysts shouldn't even be upset. Like, yeah, it's kind of weird. They're like, oh, what are you asking about? Like, why are you, uh, why are you worried about our lending operation? Don't, don't worry about that. Well, if we look at the last three months here, revenue, most of this from loan interest income, 1.9, I'm assuming, yep, million, 1.92 million. That barely covers salaries and employee benefits of 1.9 million. And then if we look at their total expenses, 6.1 million. So not, I, I could see this. Yeah, I mean, tough scene, you know, small micro caps is really hard because the management teams are generally the ones that, well, there's a reason they're not, you know, we're about to do one on Lowe's this week or a podcast on Lowe's this week. And that CEO is just top class, one of the best in the industry, just a total professional, lots of industry experience. And there's a reason that these small micro cap CEOs are the CEOs of small micro cap companies. They're not generally the best out there and you can get a lot of bad ones and it's really hard it's really not even a company through. yeah it's really honest it's not even a company it's just basically like a bank account you have small and micro cap companies oh ryan's back can you see me, Ryan? Yeah. So here's the example yeah. I want to talk about is generally in small micro caps, you do not, you get a lot of bad management teams. And I think you have to be really either you get a big margin of safety from the share, you know, where the stock is trading way below book value at a really dirt cheap earnings multiple, or you have to be very, very critical and wait, you know, for that one out of 10 CEO and executive team that's actually a good one in the small microcap space. Yeah, I think if it smells if it's small and it smells fishy at all, avoid it. The other thing, I, I think I have a hard rule now. If a stock goes up more than two hundred percent, or maybe even more than a hundred percent in the span of a month or two. In a month, okay, yeah, I was going to say in a year, but in a month, yeah, yeah. I don't yeah. care how cheap it is. It's still like, it just makes me so cautious because it's like something that's going on here. And it's obviously driven by someone or a group of people that are kind of influencing it. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. And that's mostly for smalls. Like maybe I, I know there's probably some well, dirt cheap I mean, ones uh, out there, but a, a large cap isn't going up a hundred percent in a month. And if it does like a Nvidia, Nvidia or Tesla, I'm, it's probably time to trim. Yeah, I don't know if Nvidia got up 100% a single month, but pretty darn close. <laughs> pretty darn close yeah. this year. They report okay. soon too, I believe. Yeah. All right. You want to do? Wait, this... no. Let me let me do oh, the yeah, block conference any... call. Too. This is a sh- this is a short one. I think it's another lesson of in 2020 and 2021, and even before the pandemic, no one cared about this stuff, and now everyone's being hypercritical about it and dorsey jack dorsey last one of the party is finally a little no spoiler but go ahead yeah this is kind of a they're exactly who we thought they were situation you could probably throw that meme on it um you know what i'll probably throw that meme on it on twitter after this 
but that's besides the point. Uh, so yeah, block formerly square, which I mean, if there was ever anything that signaled the top, I think it might've been squares name changed to block and the afterpay acquisition. Yeah. Yeah. There was some other probably big signals at the top as well, but that, I mean, that was one of the big ones anyway. Um, so on the that's another way. Call, that's a, that's another Mount Rushmore we could have. Mount Rushmore of the the top singles from 2021. I'll jot yeah, so jot that down. The uh, but the there's a quote. He says during the conference call, leaders across our company are now looking at the true full cost of their businesses. Which shout out to Marcelo Lima for kind of finding this, and he asked sort of the same question I was thinking, which was, what on earth were they doing before? Yeah, if you're like not not looking at the cost, no, just, that, just growing at whatever cost they want. It's the exact opposite culture of what you want to set up for a business, especially one that has different sort of subsidiaries like Block, where the flip side, I guess the positive would be something like Constellation Software, where Mark Leonard, the team that started that thing, they talk about there being a very decentralized company most of the time. I know I don't know the business as well as other people, but they set up the culture of thinking their priority is return on invested capital. What's the ROI we're going to get on this investment? Does this pass our hurdle rate when we're buying this company? So that's permeated throughout the organization as the culture. It seems like Block is the opposite where you build a good product or something interesting, quote unquote, because a lot of these aren't actually good products that they're building. They're just experimenting with blockchain BS. And they're not thinking at all about return on invested capital or return on employee spend or return on employee time spent. It's just not something you want to see. And these are the type of businesses that, again, we've talked about this for anyone that's listened for a long time. We own Block slash Square 2018, 2019, 2020. It's something that as rookie investors, we didn't really look at at all. But it's something that's very, very important to us today. It's the management's philosophy around how they manage the cash that's coming in and what they're spending it on. Yeah. Yeah, that was, I don't know. Dorsey lost me like, I'd say two and a half, three years ago, he started to lose me. The Bitcoin on the balance sheet was the big one for me. That was what broke the camel's back. Yeah. And then I remember looking at the investor, there was like some block investor day, which was uh, six hours, the six, hour six hours. The first slide said we're an ecosystem of ecosystems, like just a he's bunch a, of shit that just doesn't mean anything. He's and in then, a beanie. He's in a beanie sitting on a table with, with his hand on his knee. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he, uh, and then there was a part where they started talking about this Bitcoin or like crypto subsidiary in their, uh, I can't. It was like one of the TBD things. Oh yeah, and it was yeah, like yeah. we're just that's, we're giving out so money. We're giving money to crypto projects, like giving money grants. They they were literally giving money away. Yeah, it's interesting. I don't. Yeah, block clearly uninvestable. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Very interesting. Now, I listened to a business breakdowns on take two this week, and I thought there was another interesting thing around management and subsidiaries and how you do that. And there was an analyst that on it, I, I don't know if I'd call it an analyst, consultant, some someone who's been in the video game space for multiple decades, talks to all the people at these companies. And he said on the business breakdowns, which I thought had some good tidbits, the business models aren't that crazy to look at, but a lot of good tidbits on the entire industry, really, and not just Take-Two Interactive. But yeah, this really great quote where he said, and Take-Two, for example, owns the 2K subsidiary for NBA 2K and then Rockstar, which makes the popular Grand Theft Auto and Red Dead Redemption games and a lot of other subsidiaries. So it's like the parent company plus a lot of subsidiary studios and publishers. He said, quote, they have no control at all over Rockstar's decisions, none. So... When they're putting out any sort of guidance, like Rockstar can come out with their new Grand Theft Auto or Red Dead Redemption game whenever they want, but the parent company can't, like, they can't really do anything, which on the one hand is a good thing because you don't want them meddling in like kind of electronic arts did with Battlefield and stuff like that, which can turn into really bad results. But on the other hand, it makes it unpredictable and they might, these gaming studios might not care at all about getting the best return on time spent and stuff like that. They just want to make the best game. And clearly GTA has worked in the past to do it this way, but I thought it was quite interesting where they can't even tell them, Hey, look, like give us a timeline on it. They're going to say, Hey, look, when we're ready, we're ready. It's going to, the game's going to come out. I think I got one hand. I like that, but as an investor, it's very hard to predict. Yeah. I'm not sure I like investing in a company that's, run by its subsidiaries essentially yeah with zero control you're yeah especially i don't know are the heads of those studios do we have visibility into what their incentives are what their compensation is because if they're if they just get paid like five million dollars a year regardless of performance and they're just like like yeah we'll come out come out with it when we want we don't care about the success for shareholders then it's kind of concerning all right. Yeah. Should we do this Mount Rushmore? Sure. You you go first, and I didn't Let's write anything alternate. down, so it's yeah, yeah. Well, obviously, you have to alternate, <laughs> but I didn't come up with any, or I didn't write anything down, so just gonna be at the top of the head here. Yeah, I gotta say, even though I came up with this one, I didn't have anything that great. But so we're gonna do Mount Rushmore of the four biggest management pet peeves we have, and so my first one. These really aren't in any particular order, but I, for me, when I know there's a big issue for a company or something that like should be talked about, like, you know, maybe there was something bad in the quarterly press release or like headline news that's really not good. And they mention it like in passing in the prepared remarks in the conference call, and they kind of paint it in a good light, but like, paint it in the exact way that they can to not get any to, to say that, to say that we mentioned it but 
And then when you people know. read it later, they're like, wait, 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 this is way worse than I thought when they actually kind of read into some of the details. Yeah. Right. So they mention it in the prepared remarks. And then when they're asked about it, and I've seen this happen a number of times, when they're asked about it, the CEO or the management goes, you know, we already mentioned that in the prepared remarks or like we already said, and they just repeat everything they just said, or they say, yeah, you know, we've already touched on that. So uh, I don't think we need to go any further. That's oh, like yeah. a big pet peeve for me. Okay. Well, I was worried you're going to take my first one, which is being, and it's not necessarily just the act of doing this, but it's the bragging that they're offsetting stock-based compensation with buybacks. Yeah. Ryan's on mute, but he's agreeing. Oh with yeah. Now. That just gave me an idea for uh, a new one. All right. Well, what's your number two then? I'm going to take that right now. Rule of 40 CEOs. I hate it. <laughs> Absolutely hate it. I don't care about the rule of 40. Yeah. The rule of 40 was made up by VCs so they can get more fees. The, uh, I, I mean, so many businesses do that. A company we own does it all the time. And it's like one of my biggest pet peeves. They say like, and I, I think this is a direct quote. The, the hallmark of any great business is the rule of 40. And it's like, you could have, which for those that don't know, it's just, I think it's free cash flow margins plus revenue growth, right? You could have 40% margins today. You could have rule of 40 whenever you want. Like yeah. there's no reason to have that be your goal. So I don't know. Rule of 40 CEOs are just my, <laughs> and you could, it's like, they people could just have, negative 40% free cash flow margins and 80% revenue growth and you hit the rule of 40 or whatever. Yeah. I'm going to say for my second one, there's so many small ones out there. I think I'm going to say on the conference call, and a lot of these are on the conference call, when they talk about, they go direct, like basically they talk to the analysts about updating their models where they go, and this is for your models here. I just hate that quote. And this is for your models here, and then it's three paragraphs I just skip. Huge pet peeve, yeah. And the, it's like the CFO goes line by line through like, SBC was this quarter, or SBC was this, this quarter. And Do that it's offline, like, honestly. Like, do that, yeah. do that not whenever. Listen, if you want to have your own model. You can talk whatever, to them. Talk to you can IRT. just make your own model and just upload it if you're a company, if that's the way you want to do it. And some companies do that, right? They just like put their financials on a spreadsheet and they just upload that. Do that. I'd rather have that. The uh, the other one, we do have some comments in the chat too. So maybe we'll take those in a second. Um, so this is my third. Making layoffs all about them. Oh, good one. Yep. Layoffs about that. are a difficult topic to talk about. It means and they made a mistake. The management team made a mistake and then the employee, okay, you go, you go. I yeah, agree. and there and there's no, there's no perfect way to announce layoffs. But I would say the worst way is to say something like, "Dear Twillions," or yeah. like give them some cute nickname and then say, "This is the hardest day of my life," because I guarantee they don't care how hard it is for you as a billionaire when they're trying to when they're jobless. So. That's that's a big one for me. It's just like 
listen, tell them the news, give them all the things they need to know, all the details about it, give them solutions for finding new jobs, try to be a good backstop or support for them. But God, don't make it about yourself. Yeah. Yep. I agree with that. Okay. So let me write that down. Uh, layoff letters. Yeah, you'll write whatever. When we do the little thing, uh, it'll be better. Okay. Here's mine. Oh, shit. Did I just forget it? Oh, no. I got it. I got it. More than seven listed executives, or maybe not just arbitrarily at seven, but something like 14 or 15 listed executives. You got the chief people officer, you got the chief innovation officer, you got the chief technology officer, you got the chief human resources officer, well, chief people and human resources, I guess the same thing. It just goes on and on and on and on and on. Not for, not for some companies, it isn't. I guess, yeah, yeah. You got, what did Google just do with uh, Borat, the chief investment something, and then they have the chief financial, and then they have the chief accounting. It's kind of absurd and especially with the companies that seem to have really bad capital allocation it doesn't make much sense to me i think there should be a maximum of like five executives because if you have too many it just like here's one that doesn't make sense to me when a company has a ceo and then they have a coo which is the chief operating officer and then they also have a president i thought the coo and the c the president were the same thing i get when you have a ceo and a president in some regards where the day-to-day versus the CEO might be more of a capital allocator or a uh, acquisition, you know, stuff like that. That makes sense. But a COO and a president, that one never makes sense to me. Yeah. there. I've always thought there were a lot of executive roles that were pretty redundant. Like oh, yeah. the, C, the COO sometimes for me, like, okay, maybe the Lowe's is a good example. Marvin Ellison. He's the CEO of Lowe's. I think he's a really good operator. He understands the business really Back well. Great. Yeah. I don't know what sort of impact he has on the capital allocation philosophy at the company. I would be fine if it's operator, like operator CEO, and then the CFO makes the capital allocation decisions. But when you have a CEO, a COO, a CFO, and a chief accounting officer and a president, it's like those are duplicate roles that just aren't necessary like there's there's no way this guy can't be doing the same thing anyway Here, here's uh james goodwin has a comment specifically on this one chief commercial officer always seems a bit redundant to me that's one i don't understand i don't understand a commercial officer what's I mean, the, the, worst? The, the innovation the innovation officer is the worst clearly clearly i mean that's what's yeah. the worst officer you've ever seen there was one i can't that's remember. another that's another mount rushmore I, 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 after doing so many not so deep dives we could find some chief innovation officer is tough there were some bad ones there there have been some i bad mean ones, salesforce so. probably would be my entire mount rushmore <laughs> i think Allbirds has a chief innovation officer yeah, that's right well and they're probably not gonna last but okay, okay. either way last what's one your for last me. one for you it's kind of between two um you already kind of talked about the SBC thing. No, nah, not allowed. Not allowed. Yeah, unless it's way different. It's kind of different. Uh, okay, I'll just go with a different one. Founders giving themselves huge bonuses. This is going to be mine. This is going to be mine. I got to another like, one. It's like, assuming it's the founder with a big stake, which most founders probably do. 
like you just don't need the bonus. Just sell a little bit of stock or take a, a loan and pledge your stock as collateral. If you really need the money to buy your yacht or whatever, like there's no way that if you own 50% of a company worth $10 billion, that you need to be paying yourself a 20 to 30 billion, 20 to $30 million bonus for the year. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know, I'll take, I'll take that one, I guess. That's a good one. I was going to take that one. I will do. I got to come up with one a little bit on the spot. Founder awards for Ryan to themselves. Yeah. And it's always to themselves. Like it's at the end of the day with these things, it's always to themselves. And then, and then they say, well, it wasn't up to me. The compensation committee was, that's what they <laughs> yeah. determined. And, which the I elected. And, and the compensation committee says it wasn't up to me. It was the compensation consultant that decided this, which leads to my last one, which is the usage of compensation consultants. It's the most absurd job in the world. And if anyone, like I explain compensation consultants sometimes, if I'm like, I don't know, someone asks about it uh, or they don't ask about it specifically, but they ask, I don't know, it must come up some boring, you know, we're in a car ride. I explain what it is. It doesn't take that long to explain. They go that to a T, everyone says this, that's the most useless job I've ever heard of. You're doing the job of the board of directors who are getting paid already to do that. It doesn't, it's, it's so ridiculous. It, there, there's, if you took all those away, the world would be, I don't know, not changed at all. I yeah, just, I think I, I don't, they, they're so useless. I mean, I'm totally with Munger there. Yeah. The other one is putting, I know there's a couple of companies that have done this, but putting like, people that are actively in the military on your board, like like oh, generals, yeah. it just feels kind of strange to me because it, like, I think Salesforce does this. I don't think you need a general on your board. Like you're not going to war. It's enterprise software. Only one is defense contractors. Yeah. I mean, I guess that makes sense because it's a customer. The uh, Or an ex-customer. Yeah. But yeah. Obviously, I don't think serving go on the board, but yeah. I guess you 100%. could say putting putting giving Matthew McConaughey ten million dollars a year that might be worth. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, Salesforce is a walking is Black. a walking executive irk. Uh, I guess. Okay, let's hit the comments. We had one specifically on this one from Matt's Capital. Thank you for commenting as always. Prisoner of the moment management. They extrapolate too much on things happening now without regard for what has happened before, may happen after. They disregard the mean. Oh yeah, so basically just. Well, I think this also is hopping on the classic, you know, hype at the moment. Examples are galore right now with companies hyping up their AI capabilities, quote unquote. I'm doing air quotes for the listeners. The, I mean, that, that's just clearly, I think if your company is just bragging a ton about AI and they're not just talking about it when asked about it on, on conference calls because the analysts are really egging on all these executives. I think if they're coming out explicitly with all these press releases or talking about it, that is a red flag for me. And it's also a pet peeve. The, uh, um, yeah. If you were talking about the metaverse in 2021, talking about AI now, you're probably not going to make it. Yeah. There right. are some other ones that were like, I mean, there's so many. I had moments. founder shares. Remember the one, the Axon one, the exponential CEO plan. Oh yeah. Was, plan. All those guys just have private it was a jets. Incredible growth hack. Yeah. Which oh, yeah. is unfortunately because that was just an exceptional business, but it was like, 
these huge bonuses based on based on annual numbers that disregarded your bonus. Yeah, exactly. All right, here's another one from Tyler Ferris. Uh, related party transactions are always big red flag, especially in microcaps. I think another, yeah, on top of that, unnecessary related party transactions where you go, hey, we use the software from our CFO's wife's company or you know something like that. You don't need that. It's just going to come off bad. I just don't like it. Yeah. I mean, in terms of like related party transactions, it's probably not the end of the world, but it's a pet peeve though. It just shows to me that you're self-serving. Yeah. But I think some of those too, it's like, whatever you use your wife's dad as like a legal counsel. He might it's, just, yeah, it's he not might the just end give you like an exceptional rate. Yeah. It's you not know, the end like, of the world, but it's, it's a, it's a pet peeve. Yeah. All right. We do have a lot more questions. Um, Square acquiring Afterpay was a giant red flag. This is a comment. Oh, yeah. Title was the reddest of flags. Title was the worst. That was, they're 100%. still trying to come out with that. I mean, they're going to burn so much money with that thing. It's amazing. Did you ever see? Yeah. And two, I think it was like two years after the acquisition, they gave some details about how that deal happened. And it was that he was literally uh, summer vacationing in the Hamptons with Jay-Z and I am assuming Jay Z was complaining about how poorly his music streaming business was, and he saved him. Jack yeah. Dorsey literally called the board like that day and was like, "Hey, I think we should acquire Title because I'm guessing <laughs> Jay Z's like, if you want to come over to my house a couple times, like, yeah, you know, just uh, lob me a half a billion dollars to acquire Title yeah. or whatever it was." The, uh, yeah, that was a huge red flag. Square in general, man, just red flags all across the board. Um, what's on your guys' watch list these days? Are you interested in ASML? Yes. Uh, any uh, not so deep dive or guest pods in the future? I will say this. Um, we did have, I think our structure for the podcast isn't necessarily all that clear unless you're like following us on Twitter, but the not so deep dives. We're doing the share cannibals theme this month. Next month, it's dividend. Oh, airlines, airlines, airlines. Um, and then we've done an ASML deep dive with Leandro. Invest runs runs which was, um not potential multi beggars. He runs best anchor stocks. Yeah, it'll be the same kind of type of get a good overview on that one. He knows it very well. Okay, what's on the top of your watch list today? Well. I have our watch list open here and it has two companies that we're waiting for the right price on Adyen and Airbnb. Adyen got a lot closer today, but it's still not yeah. there yet. I'd I say have American Express on the watch list. I was going to say Amex. Uh, kind of those three. This is 3A, 3A's company. Yeah. Adyen, Airbnb, Amex definitely are up there. To be honest, I have a watch list full of companies I should probably get rid of. Let me look but, at, yeah, I have a bunch on there that I don't actually like anymore. I have Wise on there. It's always overvalued. I have Latch. Luckily, I never bought that. I have Roku. Never seem to buy it. Roblox. Never seem to buy that. Topgraph Callaway. Never seem to get comfortable. Hershey. Not a bad business, though. Altria. I have Altria. No, well, it keeps getting cheaper. There we go. I know. It's getting up. It's like... 9.2% dividend yield right now, somewhere, somewhere like that. It's yeah. still, though, those volume declines have accelerated, which yeah. 
I think at at 10% volume declines, the math starts to break a little bit for Altria, unless they have some other business that starts to drive performance. Yeah, for sure. I like, yeah, we own Philip Morris International, like that better for durability. Here's another question. What do you guys think about this macro environment? Is the crash imminent? I do not know. I don't really follow the macro too much from an investing perspective. I kind of like to read about some of the stuff, but honestly, the economic data today looks really great in the United States, but who knows? It could change on a dime in the next few quarters. I have no clue. We should uh, we should start having really hot takes on whether or not which way the market's going, because that's, that's how, going yeah, to create better clicks. Is the market I, crashing tomorrow? I thought... <laughs> Yeah, S&P thought, down 25% tomorrow. You know, it would be hilarious as if our title was just for the episode was Michael Burry from Big Short Fame makes 1.6 billion all caps bet on the mar- on the economy, on the market crashing. That's just our entire title. Yeah. There it goes. <laughs> and then we don't talk about it at all. <laughs> People love the Burry engagement bait. It works. But I honestly, we don't care about macro. Uh, we care about micro, but we avoid company. We we just care about countries that value the rule of law with businesses. So we avoid China, stuff like that. Let's let's try to make a climb though. Where would you say you're at? Like if if it's just a general barometer on the macro and you're kind of where's way better way better than I thought. Oh, for basically my fear and greed or the your fear and greed. Where do you think where yeah, regardless of where the market is trading, because it seems it's it's above the quote unquote risk free rate, so I get a little bit confused on that right now. It makes me a bit nervous. I don't want to buy anything really with an earnings ratio above twenty unless I think it's growing. But regardless of where the market is, I'd say greed. I mean, the numbers just look phenomenal and, uh, across the board for the United States right now, and the the interest rate impacts have been way less than people have thought. Now that could really impact stuff in the. Next few quarters, it could finally be like kind of a coiled spring that's ready to drop, but I have no idea. And the numbers really, really look good. I mean, what did the Atlanta Fed uh, change their prediction to for Q3, I think, or maybe it was Q4. One of the quarters for this year, they're projecting 5.8% GDP growth now. 5.8. I thought, you know, I thought it was supposed to be a recession. Roaring 20s. Yeah, I mean, some of the stuff, I mean, that manufacturing spend just looks amazing. The UP, like the UPS renegotiation, yeah, that's going to hurt UPS's margins, but it's going to be a huge positive impact on the economy because all these people are going to have more money. Yeah. That's 300,000 people with much more money. I mean, that's going to reverberate across the board. We got a question from Mads Capital here. Did you comment on Adian yet? Have you looked at the report? Yeah, do you want to do you want to just go? I didn't look at it. Now let's see. Um, try to make sure we hit everything here. Uh, here's someone that said, "Just joint. What are your three top three picks as a financial sector disruptor?" Uh, thanks, Visa, Mastercard, and Amex. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I don't like those uh, fintech disruptors, honestly. Uh, so I mean, can't really comment on it. Can't really invest in this one, but I think Apple Pay is probably the most promising business in the financial sector and it's kind of um among payment and, processors and is that a payment Google. processor no, no yeah it's not, it's not a processor no it's, not a processor a, wa- uh, a wallet a wallet you're thinking of yeah among digital wallets 
it's growing the quickest by far. And uh, yeah, I think Venmo's in trouble. Honestly, I've used Zelle a lot recently. Yeah, PayPal though I had some bad takes there. Oh, actually, financial technology disruptor—the one we like the best for sure—is Wise. But the price is really I don't expensive know. today. I like it a lot. We haven't pitched it. We had never bought it, but I got it on the watch list for sure. No, I, yeah, I think really the card networks. If I had to buy anything in the financial sector today, it's going to be the card networks. Yeah, and at today's price, it's going to be Amex. But we haven't bought any of them yet. Who are the, the big processors? One? Stripe, Adyen, Braintree? Braintree, yeah, and then the legacy ones. PayPal, I their names. There's a lot of there's a lot of ones, and I forget the name. Uh, do you, okay, okay, okay. Let's talk. We got a Let's question. Ally, we yeah, we got Adian. a question on Ally. Just say the pre-mortem. I think is in there in our write-up that we posted on Twitter. You can find that on our website, archcapitalfund.com. I think that goes through it. But DM us on Twitter. We can kind of discuss the pre-mortem on that. Um, I mean, the big risk with any bank is pretty much the same, right? You lose deposits in a quick manner. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Or the loans blow up. Or yeah, I mean that's both. Those both I think you have loan book blows up or deposits blow up. I mean if car prices go down probably it impacts them pretty badly, but we think they're blow up risk though on the loan side seems low. Yeah. Because it would take just a full blown like depression. Massive implosion of the auto market, which seems unlikely considering how much cars are relied on today and how but, much Americans yeah. love cars. Um, and deposit yeah, outflow would be huge. That's yeah. And risk. then Tyler says global payments. That is one that the like one of the legacy providers. And we also have a quick question I can answer. Do you think Apple will ever be forced to spend on Apple pay? I don't think they'd be forced to spend it out, but there could be some regulation there because they have been anti-competitive. Okay. Let's look at Adyen. I'm going to pull up the results. They always have nice charts. Speaking Maybe. of, there was a bit of a, anti-competitive thing that I noticed from Apple. I'm guessing this is anti-competitive. If you log into Spotify and you listen to the podcast on the Spotify audience network ads, so the automated ads that we get, which if you're listening to this on the podcast now, you can't skip them in Spotify. But if you close your phone and do it through the Apple like a uh, little thing on like the lock screen, you can skip yeah. them. So I think Apple, my guess, is they're making, they're not letting Spotify make it unskippable. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, they're just the worst with that type of stuff that is so annoying. Okay. Let's look at this. Adyen, I'm sharing the screen for the listeners, but I'll really just lay these out for them. First half 2023 process volume, which is his payment volume, 426 billion euros, up 20. Wait. Oh, that's versus 22. Okay, yeah. Up 23% year over year. Net revenue up 21% year over year, 740 million. EBITDA down significantly, down 10% to 320 million. That's probably where people are concerned. Uh, Let's see. They have some notes here. They added apparently 551 full-time engineers in the first half. So that's a big difference from when they were pausing. They said that they're going to take advantage of these layoffs and try to go for people. They I said say the majority or go I ahead. Saw the, I saw someone commenting that a couple of months back, they said they were going to start investing heavily to kind of 
be a little more competitive with Stripe on that front, which seemed, no, I mean, now it's hurting them, but we'll see what kind of impact it has long term. Yeah, it could be good timing. And hopefully they'll keep their philosophy of not just hiring, of being basically the opposite of Stripe and being more disciplined in hiring. They say the majority of new hires, 75%, were in tech roles, building out our global engineering muscle dedicated to both young and mature initiatives. Yeah, uh, let's see. They say they're in a period of growth. They have a bunch of pictures of people working at their European offices. What do you think? Kind of hard to say. They said that they're seeing pricing pressure from big platforms in North America. So, uh, you know, like the, the North American customers are looking for cost savings. Maybe that's from Braintree or Stripe trying to compete on cost here. Could be an issue. I think what is interesting is that you look at a lot of these businesses in this space, they seem to be very highly touted. Everyone seems to love Braintree. Everyone loves Stripe. Everyone loves Adyen. But I wonder how rational the market's going to be. I think it probably turns into a rational market from a pricing perspective. but. If someone's trying to go for a price war here, it, it could really, really hurt them. I, yeah. I'd have to get the full context on the conference call, but I'd still like this. I like this business. They seem to have a great management team, but the numbers obviously here don't warrant the giant uh, earnings multiple. I mean, they still trade at what way above the market average, and if they're growing. You know, they're seeing margin compression in the near term. It's not surprising to see the stock drop off like this, but I think that's the risk you get when trying to buy something with super high margins and betting basically that revenue is going to grow 25, 30% in perpetuity. Yeah, I mean, it's, I think it's still a solid business. It doesn't seem like it would be that surprising that there's a big slowdown in payment volume given the customers that they, have right you know a lot of these tech businesses they've had slowdowns which is just going to trickle through to add in yeah but on the other hand some of them are recovering like uber so true speaking of uh to kind of bridge the gap between the worst chief or the worst officer we've ever seen and payments processors chief climate officer at stripe that's that's the one was that the one you're trying to think of (laughs) Yeah, I think it's head of climate now, but I'm pretty sure there was a chief climate officer for a while. So probably getting paid 400,000 a year and getting 200K in stock bonuses. But that's probably, you know, crazy. You can only get a thousand square foot apartment with that in San Francisco, right? Oh my gosh. (laughs) If you're the chief environmental officer, you're the CEO. That's true. That's true. Do they have one? It's the head of climate. So head of climate CCO. That's a way to get some good. I think you should just joke around and have that to at a company like Google. So people just have big conspiracies, you know, about them controlling the weather and stuff like that. That'd be funny. Yeah. Give me some good YouTube. There'd be some good YouTube videos. And did you know who owns their shares? Two companies, BlackRock and Vanguard. I love when yeah. people, t- I love I when love people bring that up. Takes. Oh yeah. Everyone remember, ta- remember the- so many people have this take. They're like, 
Dude, yeah. And they always get it wrong too. They're like, yeah, this company owns every every stock. It's like Blackstone. And I'm like, no, BlackRock. And they're like, wait, wait, there's two of these? And I'm like, yeah, there's a black rock and a black stone. It's very confusing, but it shows that you have no idea what you're talking about. Good. Welcome to the entire financial sector. Everything yeah. is named after a color, maybe like a a weather and an item in nature. Rock, stone, tree. Yeah. I forest, mean, that's the worst. Green forest that's, capital. That's another one that Rushmore rankings. Uh, I would like to come up with a different name because I feel like we are stealing, even though it's a very common concept, is worst industry company names. Remember, we just did the interview with next week on a very fascinating company we have never heard of before called Paylocity in the uh, human capital something software. It's basically payments and HR management, automation, stuff like that for medium businesses, small businesses, large businesses. And the companies are called Paycom, Paylocity, like pay. We should just just go back to the 1900s, like HR Software Incorporated. That's right. Yeah. Amalgamated copper company. It's better than a rover. Yeah. <laughs> the uh do we have anything else? We got four minutes here. Um okay. Here's here's what I here's what I got. Um actually we don't have really the I can't really go over the numbers. American Express. Maybe we talk uh, American Express, the price is kind of going down. It's kind of closer to where we'd say we pitch it. Do you have, after we talked about them earlier this year, we kind of kept up with them though. Do you have any concerns about Amex that have kind of come up in your mind after going through that one? Because I know everyone talks about the credit risk, but we kind of think it's a little bit overblown. No, I think it's interesting that so many people highlight the credit risk because it's like... Small part seems of the like one of the yeah, it seems like it's a small part of the business. It seems like one of the areas where of the credit spectrum that would be the most uh or the least likely to have big defaults because of their customers. And I mean, obviously it can increase a little bit, but it's not gonna there's no blow up risk here, in my opinion. Yeah. And people pay these off first because the fees are so high. So I don't know. It just seems unlikely to me that there's any big risk yeah. here with the credit. There's, so, I think they may risk de- destroying a little customer brand value with these lounge things at all the airports. It shows that the cards are getting more popular again, but they're being. I guess way, that is a risk. Like I think that's a risk. If there's too the, many the people in the ecosystem that get does the to value deteriorate. Yeah, but I think oh, they maybe just need to pull a lever of making the lounges more exclusive again. Like upping just the, raising the price. fees, yeah, or whatever. It's, it's whatever already it is. what eight hundred dollars for to be a part of the Amex or the, Platinum, or whatever. It's uh, yeah, it's like six fifty, something like that. The, I mean, the benefits are pretty solid. Yeah, but like free Ubers every month or something, but and other stuff that they give you back. But I think maybe they need to make those lounges definitely more exclusive because that is ruining some customer brand. Or I think it could ruin the value of the brand in the, for customers. But besides that, seems like they're doing a lot of things. And everyone has these claims about them. Like, oh, they don't have the distribution that Visa and MasterCard have. That's pretty, that's wrong in a lot of countries now, especially in the United States. They're at par, basically. They're trying to get the distribution higher in almost all the countries around the world. They 
yeah, I mean, there's just a lot of stuff here that that I think people are concerned about, but they've changed over the last five years that should make things better. And they're great share candidate buying back stock constantly. One thing I think is also interesting is the potential for them to win the Apple card. That could be a fantastic partnership, given those are both just kind of the premium consumer brands. Yeah, I agree. What is your favorite not so deep dive that we've done this year? Let me pull up the list right now. I'm going to scroll through. Yeah. Or maybe know. we should say, what's your favorite theme? Um, uh, no, let's do deep, not so deep. Dive. I have one in mind. Okay. I'm pulling through these right now. Okay. So we did payments, um, share cannibals, engineering software. A- oh, wait, no, that was last year. Fallen angels. Okay. We did big tech, financials financials dating apps payments which was a separate one dating apps is rough man there's pretty much one that's but that's ownable and that's even questionably ownable um i like the financials market access american express and no market no, no. access or payments i like payment, payments payment. the yeah. i think visa for me was my favorite not so deep dive that we've done this year. Yeah, that was a good one. I think my favorite, yeah, and that's definitely a one that people should listen to. I think we did a good job um, comparatively to all the ones we usually do. I think my favorite was Rocket Lab. Also, think we did a good job there. That was a fun one. Very interesting company that is executing really strongly. There are not some. a company, not a company that I invest in, but if you're a hyper growth investor, really early stage type investor, that's one to really keep an eye on. What's the worst business we looked at this year? WeWork. Spark I'm pretty work. sure it basically went like bankrupt. It bankrupt after. right after. We're like, they say they're going to make it till 2024, but it looks like they could file bankruptcy at any time. And turns out Tomorrow, we had very, yeah. very, very good timing on that. I think Spark Networks is probably just as bad. Those are both structurally bankrupt. And that was that really bad dating app company. But I think All that's right. time. Great questions for everyone today. Thank you for everyone tuning in. Remember, these will be going out Thursdays. Uh, or actually, uh, no, no, next week we'll do a Thursday. A Thursday morning will be Thursday mornings, 9.30 Pacific, 12.30 Eastern, typically, although we do change it up depending on our schedules. I think that's it. Anything else? No? I think we'll have the disclosure. Remember, we are not financial advisors. Anything we say on the show is not formal advice or recommendation. We are general partners at Arch Capital, and clients may hold securities discussed in this pod- on this podcast. Podcast recording comes out on your Spotify, Apple, or whatever Sunday mornings. You can watch on YouTube from Thursday after it's live, whenever. you know It'll be on there infinitely. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. We'll see you next time. 